Hi, I'm Dave. You're listening to Making Problems to Solve, the podcast about curiosity, creativity, and problem solving. Uh, off the bat, I just want to thank my top-tier patrons, Matthew from Artigiano Serio and Ed Johns. Uh, as what happened, I got to see those guys at Maker Camp this weekend. My guest was also at Maker Camp. So uh, I'm talking to Vincent Ferrari. How are you doing? What's going on, Dave? I want to huh? first. I want to. I want, first thing I want to say. I have to say it. I have to say it because I Go have for to it. mention it. You're one of the few people that pronounces Artigiano Serio correctly. It bugs me so much when people pronounce it wrong. It makes me want to. No. Mm. So good I job, get close. Man. I don't think I can do it as good as you can. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm Italian, so if I right, can't exactly. do it, you know, I might get shot. <laughs> yeah, and I try to practice, so uh, you know, <laughs> it's fantastic. No, I, he's I, he he came up to me and it's funny he's one of the people that came up to me at maker camp and i'd never had this experience before where people come up to you and you don't know what they look like but they know oh, you right i've never had that experience before but i wore i for people that don't know i wore a bright yellow shirt because my logo is yellow and black so i wore a yellow shirt with a black logo on the back and i put in my instagram stories if you see me at maker camp just come up to me because i don't know any of you so you're just going to have to come up to me and say hi. And a lot of people came up to me and say hi. And he was one of them. And he came up to me and he goes, Artigiano Serio. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Cause, and I remembered him from Jimmy's. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, totally. We right, definitely right. met before. But yep, that was fun, man. Wild event. So. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it was really fun. Uh, I'm sure we're going to hear a lot about uh, Maker Camp from a bunch of podcasts uh, this week. Uh, everybody yeah. did the intro. Intro to Maker Camp last week, and uh, now we're going to get the recap this week. So, uh, oh. uh, we might mention it, but it's not going to be the whole uh, episode here. So, I really want to talk yeah, about totally. uh, what you're working on right now, Vincent. Oh, wow. So, okay. So, right now, right now, I'm in this weird. So, I was on this like tear of making like these simple acrylic, um, like decorations for weddings, uh, mostly like table number stands and stuff like that. And that really took off and I was doing it constantly. I was the running joke with me in Houston acrylic was I was making a weekly order from them because I was constantly ordering acrylic to fulfill orders. And for some reason over, um, I would say since kind of since school started again around the, like, you know, the right after Labor Day, it just kind of fell flat. So the interesting part of that is that's all I was doing. Um, so now it's just like, oh, okay, I'm just going to pursue some personal projects and do some fun stuff that I just want to do until, you know, things start picking up again and just keep things sharp. And so I'm not, it, oddly enough, it's the first time in my life I'm not working on an ongoing project. It's just, you know, what am I doing today? Oh, cool. That's what I'm doing today. Okay. What am I doing tomorrow? Okay. That's what I'm doing tomorrow. Cool. And just stuff like that. Fun little projects, making a little more you know, pursuing some more passion projects rather than customer projects, which is kind of nice, actually. So. Wow, that's uh, interesting because I know that for, yeah, most of the time I've known you, you've been doing at least something for your customers, uh, you yeah, know, in the background. It's, it's, it's interesting because this, this weekend was the first time in about a month that I had a customer order. Like it was just, so, it's been so quiet, just out of nowhere. It went from you know, a couple of orders a weekend to nothing like instantaneously, which I'm like I said, I'm OK with that. I actually got a couple of orders this week, things I have to work on. And I have to get into my shop this weekend and see what I have as far as um, wood, because someone ordered a charcuterie board. So I have to cobble something together. I'm trying not to order supplies if I can avoid it and use what materials I had from when I was in my old shop because I still have a, quite a bit of stuff. I just need the right opportunity to use it, but I think I have enough to do that. So that's good. I have a, a small, I'm doing a design job for somebody. I'm redesigning their, their um, con banner. So that's cool. And I'm yeah, having fun. fun doing that. I've never done one of those except for my day job. So that's fun. And yeah, the work is, it's interesting because the work is not as frequent, but it's more varied. So it's like, can you do this? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Why not? You know, I'm gonna take a stab at it. <laughs> But, oh, that's yeah, funny it's, that it's you, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been, you know, getting into a lot of new projects that uh, challenge your skills a little bit. A lot, a lot. So one of the things I, I wanted to do, I've been <laughs> got really obsessed. I went really far down this rabbit hole on YouTube of people who have who repair electronic stuff. Okay. So pe people like Tronics Fix and um, Stez, Steve Stez, I can 
Stez Sticks Fix, that's his name on YouTube. Okay. He's an English guy, really, really great YouTube channel. And I got really into it. I'm like, I could do this. So I started ordering, I started ordering like things on eBay that were literally listed as broken and for parts only. And I'm like, I'm going to start learning how to fix this stuff myself. Like I'm going to really do this the right way. So I ordered two Pac-Man Coleco tabletops. I ordered a Donkey Kong Coleco tabletop. I ordered um, a football game by Tudor Games. It's a lot like the Coleco, the Mattel football that everyone had as a kid. I ordered um, a Tomy game and I ordered a Simon and another one. And the other one just was not salvageable. There was too much wrong with it. The two Pac-Mans, one had a completely split in half board, which that I'm not sitting there and doing 40 (laughs) traces. Yeah. The other one um, just wasn't going to ever work. The, the, The CPU on it was shot. So the screen would do this weird scroll thing. So I got rid of those. But the Tudor football game, I not only got working, but I managed to make battery terminals to go in the battery compartment because the corrosion had actually eaten them away. So I made some copper tabs to put in the battery terminal. So when you pop the batteries in, they had a place to make a connection, soldered it all together. That one works. So that's actually, that's a gift from me to my buddy Al. Um, and then the Simon, I actually got working. I had to recreate traces on a board where battery corrosion had literally just eaten it away. And then as I put it back together, after I got that fixed and got the board varnish on it, the battery connector literally fell off in my hand. I'm like, oh, come on. So (laughs) I had to like put a new battery connector on it. But that Simon is going to be mine. I'm going to keep that. It's my first successful fix is that Simon. So I ordered another one with the same issue. It's battery corrosion. Clearly, the the terminals are green and probably going to have to fix traces on that one, too. But that one I'm going to flip and sell because they're selling for like 40 bucks on eBay if you have the box. Oh, that's pretty uh, interesting. I bought it for six. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if I can put a couple hours into it and sell it for 40 and, you know, $48 with shipping. Yeah, fine. Let's do it. I'll do that all day long. <laughs> so it's fun, man. It's a lot of fun. That's yeah. Um, I end up doing that on stuff just that I actually need to use, but uh, I haven't tried restoring any or, you know, just repairing any uh, antique uh, electronics at this point. Um. The battery contacts are probably the biggest thing for sure. They are they are a big thing. The one the one thing I've learned though from watching these videos, and this I I did not know this, but this is apparently a thing where a lot of times um, people will sell stuff as untested and not working for parts only, and in reality it works fine. They've just never turned it on. Right. So they're just they're just taking the hit. They they usually they'll do it in like an estate clean out or something like that, and they'll grab one and they'll just go, this doesn't work. It, here it is. And people buy it anyway, so they don't care. You make 10 bucks on a Simon that you pulled out of an attic somewhere. They don't care. And I look at it as an opportunity as long as I can get it working. And what's cool is something from that era, like the early 70s to you know mid 80s, a lot of basic discrete components. Like if you know anything about electronics, you can fix just about anything till about 1985. <laughs> it's, okay. It's cool. It's really cool. And it's been a nice little flex of my skills. So I've been doing that. I've been doing a lot more metal etching, um, learning, using all the stuff that Emily Joyce taught me, which is just, it's amazing how much I learned. I didn't realize how much I retained until I started doing it. And the process is basically automatic for me now. So I'm really enjoying doing that stuff. And that's, that's about it. I'm, oh, and I'm going to start really learning how to use my CNC. Okay. Not to just cut like cutting board shapes and engrave stuff like to really like my goal with my CNC is to get to the level of somebody like Jeff who does bonkers stuff with his CNC. So, yeah, Jeff Stein, a weird Jeff guy. Stein, right. I was I'm like, OK, there's yeah. a lot of Jeff. I'm trying to <laughs> yeah, I just realized like, wow, you said yeah. Jeff in this space. Like, yeah, there's about 50 million of them. But yeah, now the one and only Jeff Stein. So, yeah, Jeff is doing crazy stuff with his oh, like, my God. Fi- 5D carving where he's. He, you know, doing an operation on like every side of a cube, basically. And he's, uh, he's, he's fantastic. Turning into I, magic. So he took me, I've, I've talked about it with other people, but my dude took me on the side. Um, he took me on the side. Was it last Friday? Yeah. Not this past Friday, the one before. 
And he's like, okay, so we're going to teach you how to do cam in Fusion 360. I'm like, bro, I have tried this so many times. I cannot figure it out. Like, it's impossible to understand. He goes, I will have you not only understanding it, but able to do it on your own by the time we're done. He spent two and a half hours with me on a Zoom call. We, we went over every single step. After he got me kind of in that mindset of how it worked, the next few steps I was doing on my own. And, and it's just, he's such a good teacher. And I was so happy to learn this because this is something that's kind of been eating at me. Like I want to do more with the CNC, but I you know, I feel like I'm limited almost by the software. And now with Fusion 360, oh, I mean, I know Fusion 360 pretty well, but I knew nothing about the cam. So now I have that to add to the repertoire and it's like, okay, it's time to start doing the big boy stuff now. <laughs> That's how he does everything, and he's really good at it. So, yes, yeah, because he doesn't have there's definitely there's software that can do a lot of the stuff that he's doing, but you know, it's you know, thousands of dollars. And if you're not in business, you know, to do that, it's it's kind oh, of expensive a hundred percent. I even, I mean, I had vCarve, I had vCarve mm -hmm. Pro, I had a subscription to it, I subscribed to it for like eight months. And after eight months, I'm like, I cannot comprehend this. It was the one piece of software I've ever used that I just gave up on. I was like, I will not, I cannot, I do not, and I will not ever understand this. There's no point. Learn something else. And <laughs> that was it. It yeah. was just, I, I, I've never punched out. It was the first piece of software in history that I've ever punched out on. So There's a bunch of CNC users listening to this going, you did what? You punched out on VCarve? Are you crazy? Yeah, yeah I did. Yes. Right. <laughs> 100% with a smile on my face. <laughs> yeah, because I used, uh, I tried to use Fusion too, because I'm just like, oh, this is free. And uh, my CNC is homemade, so it doesn't come with software. There's no software that supports it. It's uh, everything that people have done the DIY route is all Windows based. Mm -hmm. and i have a mac so i'm like i'm gonna do it on a mac like i'm like stubborn i'm like i'm not gonna <laughs> try to do it on windows <laughs> even though obviously it'd be easier um but it's not easy just easier to get the software loaded but then oh no 100 percent, 100 percent difficult so i was using fusion and yeah jeff actually helped me wrap my head around that stuff after mm -hmm. like i don't know probably 100 hours of trying to understand this is fusion is the problem with the cam and fusion is it's not for a hobbyist it's for like a factory <laughs> well it's also not too many it's buttons. also it's also not meant to be a traditional cam program right it's a 3d manufacturing program it's exactly. not what cnc users typically do with you know if you look at most 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 um cnc software vcarve is a good example of this um even carveco maker which is another one i tried to understand and couldn't um they're really just design software that adds toolpaths. That's really all they are. They're basically Illustrator and some kind of toolpath maker just kind of mashed together into one application where Fusion is like, yeah, we don't do any of that. We, you, we're assuming you have a 3D model and you're going to cut it out of something. Let's get that started. And understanding the way Fusion thinks, if you don't have someone that can walk you through it, it doesn't make any sense. Once somebody shows you, you go, Oh, okay. You know, the mindset changes and you understand that they look at everything as a like the first thing you do is define your stock, right? And the reason is right. because it's cutting out of a thing. It's taking the model out of the stock. And if it doesn't know what the stock is, it can't cut because it doesn't know what it's doing. And it's oh, okay. Like whereas with like carbide create, you literally just go, okay, my stock is this size, this size, this size. Here's the illustration. Cut here, cut here, I'm done. Right. You know. Not as powerful, but a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, it's I really want to get to I really want to get to Jeff level. I mean, I don't know that I have a need to be at Jeff level, but you know, it's one of those aspirational things. It's like in the back of your mind, like one day I want to be really good at this, like him. So Yeah, have you seen some of the other guys who are doing really crazy stuff with 3D carving? Oh. There's like uh birch toll designs. Birch told well. designs is unbelievable. There's another guy, uh, Dennis Van Hoof, I think is his name. He's Dutch. Okay, I think I that's his him. name. Um, he's a guy that, that Jeff turned me on to like two years ago. Okay. And when we both got our shape Ocos and I was watching, he basically in one video, he wanted to make something bigger than the shape Oco. So he literally cut a hole in his table and the, and the wasteboard of his CNC 
so that he could put the piece down low enough, carve it, then lift it up, turn it around. He's just absolutely a wizard. And I, I think that's his, I hope that's his name, but all right, we'll look it up and uh, we'll put that in the show notes for sure. hundred <laughs> we'll percent. And I'll out. just text, I'll actually just message Jeff and go, Jeff, what's the guy's name? I think it's Dennis Van. Excellent. Hall, Let's yeah. do that. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's <laughs> interesting. Cause when I built my, the MP CNC, the, you know, it's got the 3d printed CNC. Mm-hmm. That's basically my table has a hole in it. And then like the, like whatever the, I don't know what you call it. The bottom part or you the put stuff on. Yeah. It's not really the wasteboard. It's like even the part under that. Um, okay, okay, gotcha. Right. So, because some people on the forums were like, "Oh, you can if you want to call it carve something tall, you can put it underneath. You know, you can lower your table and mm-hmm. then put something in there. You still only have the travel of the whatever you your CNC is designed for. Yeah. But you can carve the top of a tall piece. Obviously, that way. Uh, yeah. It's, so it's it's wild what people have done. I mean, I'm I, I'm just continually amazed. Like I have mine is like bog stock. Like there is nothing. Yeah, interesting about mine. It is off the shelf with the Z plus, and I have the, I have the what the bit zero, so that I don't have to. I can probe for zero instead of setting it because I'm lazy. And then I have the bit setter, but I've never actually installed it. Um, it's in a box. It'll go. I'm gonna probably do that on one of these quiet weekends. I'll just set that up and get sure. it running so that different bit lengths will work better. But other than that, it's a very standard machine. And I'm amazed at what it can do. And then I see what everyone else has done. You know, they modified, you know, Chris, um, Chris Powell has the Franken Poco, you know, and he's got that, the, the giant rails and the crazy extrusions holding it together and the extra, the extra belts. And it, it cuts a full sheet of plywood. And it's like, wow. <laughs> like, That's okay, why pushing cool. the limits of that thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I didn't know it could do that. Well, it can't. But he made. He can't it do really that. do it. <laughs> I think he it. might have gotten a new one to replace that. Yeah, I heard he got a <laughs> one finity. I'm very upset with him about that, but yeah. it's okay. I'll allow it because I'll yeah, learn something he... by him getting it, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, those one finities look pretty cool. People are doing. That's the one you can put on sideways, right? Up on the wall. Yeah, you can do it sideways. You can. You can. If you're an influencer, you can do anything with it. Apparently. <laughs> well, I think it, I think they. You know, but you know they. That's something that a lot of people actually want to do you know so i think that that's uh i think cool they tested it i think the good thing is that the good thing is that the creation of the onefinity cnc prompted inventables and carbide 3d to come out with better machines like the new generation of cncs from those two companies are way beyond what they were coming out with previously the new shape oko and the new um x carve including and not even counting the pro versions that they came out with they're just better machines now. They just really are. I mean, I have a three and it was mm-hmm. a leap from the two, but these new machines are wild. It's it's impressive. I know I'm saying this. I know and there like there are people I know that listen to this show that are probably like running professional machines and it's like you guys have no idea. I know. I know. But in my world, this is pretty impressive stuff. <laughs> All right. Gonna have to look those up. Uh, see what the new <laughs> ones look like here. Yeah, it's 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 just wild. Like everything, every complaint that people have come up with over the years, and this is what's amazing watching these companies. Like all the complaints people have come up with over the years, they've just addressed them. Like right. you don't like you don't like belts. All right, we'll use lead screws. We'll use linear rails. You know, it's it's, it's like wow. Oh, pe- they really are listening. They really are paying attention. So, oh, these are pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're they're ridiculous. They have too many options, though. I'll look at that uh, later, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Analysis paralysis, my friend. It's a it's no. a thing in our world. <laughs> well, I just don't think I should uh, research the new CNC while we're during the podcast. I'll have to do that after. <laughs> ah, we're all friends here. There's probably other people yelling what you should be buying as we speak. <laughs> that could be. Yeah, I definitely. Uh, I'll definitely reach out to some folks uh, yeah. when I'm ready to do that. Cool. That's cool. I am, I am, but yeah, digital, digital fab and that kind of stuff. I get, I get really excited about it. I just always have, it's just, to me, that's the magic of making, you know, cause I'm a nerd and combining nerd and tech nerd and making, you know, that's probably why the first maker that really convinced me to be one is Bob, right? Combining yeah. nerdery and making is like, that's his brand, <laughs> you know? And it's interesting to see so many other people that kind of took a similar path that I did to making, you know, it's like, Oh, I was just a geek and I wanted to do something a little more, you know, do something cool with my hands. And 
I found this YouTube thing and I was like, oh no, and now I'm a fine woodworker, <laughs> you know, just like flip a switch and all of a sudden I'm talented, you know, it's crazy. But yeah, that's so easy. You just have to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> watch yeah. a couple of YouTube videos and you're an expert. <laughs> you're an expert on everything. I mean, or at least you think you are. And especially if you hang out in comment sections, comment sections make you an automatic expert on everything, as we right. know, as yeah. we know. <laughs> but yeah, it's wild. I, I, I remember I was talking to Ashley Silson about this, too, when I was on her show. We were talking about, you know, how wild it is, how far 3D printing has come, you know, to where even a couple of years ago, I couldn't get a resin 3D printer that printed. And now I have one that I can on demand just print whatever I want. I know this thing will print whenever I want. It's just three generations newer. It is bulletproof. That's like, wow, that was not a thing a couple of years ago. So, Right. Yeah, and it, we really have to thank all the people who, you know, struggled through all those things, like with the first, um, you know, the first uh, RepRap uh, 3D printers and stuff yep. where they're 3D printing the parts for the 3D printer itself. Uh, I'm not sure exactly. <laughs> you know, they build one 3D printer that builds the next one, it builds the next one. Oh, 100%. And- I, did, you ever, did you ever see Netflix had a documentary for a couple of years? It was called Print the Legend, and it was um, primarily focused on Brie Pettis from MakerBot. Right. Uh, and it was wild to watch like what was called a 3D printer. Like the first 3D printers, they were already printing an ABS and they were they were just garbage. But if it was not for those, those, you know, those laser cut um, wood panels that held it together and this crazy mechanism that was essentially the first ones. You know, if you try to explain a 3D printer, an FDM 3D printer to somebody, you kind of describe it as a hot glue gun, but with a really narrow nozzle. That right. printer literally was a hot glue gun on a rail. <laughs> like oh, okay. It was, <laughs> was kind of crazy. And it's like, wow, that it doesn't, it looks like that now, but it was that back then. And they just amped it up and amped it up and amped it up. And, you know, now we have the stuff that we have now where even, you know, a $300 ender can do some impressive stuff. You know, it's not a, it's not a $3,000 printer. It's not a $30,000 Stratasys printer, but you know, what you can do at home, you can be your own manufacturer now with all the stuff that we have, lasers, CNCs, um, 3D printers, even even to a lesser extent, something like the Cricut or the Silhouette. You know, you are basically turning your house into a factory now. And it's just what makes me, It's that's what excites me. I, I, I almost get more excited about the machines and how they work and, you know, then the process of making stuff with them. Like I, I geek out over this stuff. I enjoy it so much. It's fascinating to me. Probably why my CNC, when it runs, I spend more time watching it than, oh no, I got a CNC. It's going to do stuff while I do other work. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. No one that has a CNC has ever walked away from it while it did its thing ever in history. It's always, it's the entertainment. It's like, oh no, I'm working. And you're standing there watching the CNC do its thing. <laughs> I think there's definitely a point where you uh, you get used to it and you walk away. Uh, and, and maybe if you're a hobbyist, I mean, that's the thing. Maybe that's the balance, right? If you're a hobbyist or you're, you're yeah. definitely, this is your job. And you're like, well, I have to make money. So I can totally. go make money doing something else. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for sure. And yeah, talking about how uh, the learning process. You, so that seems to be as much part of the fun as actually making the stuff. You? Oh, 100%. I am... I have fully embraced just being a skill collector now. Like I don't, you know, there was an episode of making it where Bob, Bob said something like um, he didn't want to be an expert on anything. He just wanted to be really competent at a lot of things. And I was like, Oh wow. Yeah, that's me. Like that's, that's, that's where I want to be. I don't need to be an expert on anything. And in fact, that's why I didn't have anything for the maker swap at, um, at maker camp because not for nothing. I know I make beautiful stuff. I'm proud of the stuff I make, but I also know that just about everyone there can make what I make and most of them can make it better. I know this and I'm okay with that. I don't need to be the best in the room. I need to be competent and I need my people. I need my customers that buy things from me to be happy with what I make for them and the people I give gifts to, to be happy with them. And if that's the case, I am perfectly fine. And of course, I want to improve. And if I can think of ways to do things better, then that's fine too. But I don't need to be the best. I don't need to compete. I'm, I'm not a competitive person. I just want to be happy doing what I do. And part of that is, that's one of the reasons why I've just leaned into, I just want to learn a bunch of stuff. Like I have a rug tufting kit that I bought not one year ago, two years ago, okay? 
It's all in my shop. It's all in my my craft room here. Okay. It's literally sitting there waiting to be used. I'll use it one day, but I bought it because it's a skill I want to learn. It's something I want to play with. It's something I want to really go at, but not right now. I know sure. when I do want to go at it, it's there for me. So, and that's fine. That's fine. I'm perfectly okay with that. So learning those skills though, that's, that's to me, that's the fun part. Like learning it is fun and then producing it for the first time on your own, like without having to refer back to a tutorial or something, you know, it's, that's when you start feeling like you've accomplished something to me. That's my goal is to always just know how to do a lot. Like somebody asking me a random question about a process, I can answer them. Do I right. know every answer to every process and every problem? No, of course not. No one can. Do I know a lot about a lot of processes? Yeah, I do. I've, I've accumulated a lot of knowledge now and I'm proud of that. You know, I'm not an expert. There are people I ask questions to that are, and yeah. that's what, that's what this community is. You know, it's the 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 rule that I was always talk that I always talk about with Frank Shamrock, the Frank Shamrock rule. You train with two people. You train with one person who's better than you, and they beat the hell out of you. And you train with one person that's not as good as you, and you beat the hell out of them. But all three of you are learning at the same time. You're learning from the guy that's better. You're teaching the guy that's less. The guy that's less is learning how to get beat up and not get killed. <laughs> you know, the guy okay. that's really good is. You know, maybe they're just honing their skills a little bit on your head. But either way, the three of you are all learning. So you basically, you're always in the room with someone better than you and not as good as you. So you're teaching someone and learning from someone at the same time. And it's a fantastic way to live your life. So as, as I forgot who said it, but somebody once said that if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, wow, that's <laughs> like, what if you are the smartest? Then go to another room. Don't be right. the smartest person in the room. Get to a room with smarter people and learn from the smarter people. We're lucky. We have a lot of smart people around us, man. A yeah. Lot and the, well, that's the other thing is, of course, yeah, we're interested in learning everything. So mm -hmm. whatever room you're in, there's someone who knows something that you don't know. And so mm -hmm. that's that's the opportunity is to find that. A hundred percent. Yeah. So, yeah. I admire to, the people. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. admire the people with enough discipline to focus on one skill. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how someone you know, someone can be a fine woodworker and only be a woodworker. I don't understand that world. That's not my world. Like if, if, if I was, if I had one skill and I was as good as some of the people I know that do it, I would enjoy it, but I'd be bored to tears. I would be bored to tears. Like if I was only doing woodwork, I'd be bored to tears. I love doing woodwork. I love woodwork. It's, 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 I wouldn't say it's my only passion, but it's probably one of my top passions, right? I don't want to do that alone. Like, I really don't. It doesn't excite me. It it motivates me, and I'm I'm I enjoy doing it. But it's not something that I want to be the only thing I know. Like I love the idea of, you know, oh, you made something out of wood. Now you're gonna, you know, etch a brass plaque to put on it. Oh, and now you're gonna laser cut the thing that's gonna hold the the brass plaque. Oh, and now you're gonna three D print the part that hangs it on the wall. Like to me that's that's exciting to me like oh how can i combine everything i know to get this done you know yep. which is why the wedding decor thing is so good for me because that's what it is it's like oh you got to cut this with the laser or you got to cut that with the cricket oh and you got to learn how to paint and <laughs> you have to learn how to <laughs> yeah. how to measure the thickness of acrylic accurately so when you make your tab and slot it actually works you know sure and you don't have a lot of time you're on a constant deadline with this stuff and I was scared at first. I had a lot of trouble the first wedding I did, but now it's like, yeah, it's not a problem. How many do you need? I know I need one weekend to do it. That's fine. One weekend, I can have your whole wedding set up. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. That's cool. That's kind of like uh, almost like, uh, you know, the starter version of like prop making, you know, because it's always a short deadline. Um, you have to know a lot of different disciplines and ways to solve a problem. And, mm -hmm. you know but you know obviously yeah the stakes are lower and uh <laughs> you know but it's a similar thing because for a movie like once the props are used oh sure. no one ever needs them again right so <laughs> oh my god i mean i just i mean when we were at maker camp the head from the dinosaur was outside the saber-tooth tent and why mm -hmm. was it there because if it wasn't there it would have been in the garbage 
Yeah. Like they they salve, they saved it from being destroyed after the show was done. You know, there's a gr- there's a great story and I won't make this about Night Rider because everybody knows how much I love Night Rider, but the, okay. how they um the, sh- the the YouTube channel Night Rider Historians how they came about one of the kits that they had. They hunted that car down. They have the whole story of how they acquired this car and how they found it. And it's it's insane what they had to do to get it because Universal, who owned the car, just didn't give a damn about it. They didn't care. It meant nothing to them. When the show was over, it's a miracle that they kept it because a lot of the stuff from the, the show ended up getting trashed. There's like there, there were 20, like something like 21 kits used throughout the show. And they kept there were only like four or five left from the actual show that are still around. The rest of them were all destroyed over the years. They just got rid of them. So yeah, those, th- those things have no meaning. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> those things, they're not made to last because they don't ever have to last. They are assumed to be disposable unless told otherwise. <laughs> okay. Well, that's sort of depressing, but we'll go back to just the fact that, you know, combining all the different skills and sure. using all the different things you've learned over the years is where you, you know. Oh, a hundred percent. Your passion 100%. is, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For um, sure. And again, I hate to, I know I keep bringing up Bob. I'm actually coincidentally wearing an I like to make stuff shirt while we're recording, sure. but that's what he did that got me into it. It's like, cause you know, one week he'd be making the first video I watched of his, he was making notebooks, like pocketable notebooks. It was like he, he had been making videos probably for that at that point for about eight months. I think it was, it was really early on. And I've been watching him that long since he was in that tiny little basement when he started. And it's like, okay, so he, all right, that's what this guy does. That's interesting. All right. And then next week he was doing something woodworking. And then the week after he was like fixing a drill press. And then it's like, this guy just does everything. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to do everything. I want to do all the things. <laughs> that's great. So, Ooh. But um, talking about going back to like, you know, learning woodworking and becoming an expert in that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's different ways to look at that, right? Because there's uh, woodworking is not, one thing you can you know there's you can look at you could learn how to do one style of furniture and then once you're you know you're perfect at that and you're like okay now i can make this dresser or table or whatever uh explore another style um there's a lot so many different facets and you can go you know so it's interesting to see people who do that and definitely you know there's people who just never stop exploring new ways uh you know new ways to learn something about woodworking so pretty cool yeah too. chris chris from cow dog is a good example of that because he was he has refined the his love of doing japanese style woodworking when mm-hmm. i first met him he was just what i would call a fine woodworker and now he's like this crazy obsessed perfectionist about doing japanese style woodworking japanese style joinery using japanese tools and it's like yeah, you're right. You can go down the rabbit hole and be a be an actual expert in a certain style of things. Like Japanese joinery has is his thing now. Like he's in he's hand cut not just dovetails, but hand cut freaking everything. I don't know that he even really uses power tools that often anymore, except to break down materials that he's going to do something much cooler with. Yeah, no, you're 100 percent right about that. It's that's the skill for them, right? Like pursuing the perfection in the area. Yep. And yes, there's there's always more to learn. You're never you're never yeah. to the top or to the end. A hundred percent. And then at what what's most what's most humbling is like when you when you and I, someone like you and I will look at someone like Chris and go, Wow, he's a really good woodworker. And Chris will go, Yeah, I'm not that good. Uh, there's like ten guys I can tell you right off the top of my head that I look up to that just make me look ridiculous. And it's like, wow. You know, it's it's and that's it's amazing to me. That's how that's how wide the community is though. That's how wide what we do is, you know, as makers, you know, you, you have oh, yeah, guys sure. that are on super high levels and then you have guys that are just starting out and then you have everyone in between and in between is the biggest place to be. <laughs> yep. That's where most of us are. <laughs> that's where all of us are. I think to some extent. Yeah. yeah Someone. Yeah. You're always in between. Like mm-hmm. you said, uh, there's always, you know, you got to find that person who's the, you know, the smarter person in the room, the person who's better yep. than you. Um, even and if it's just to inspire you, even if you're not going to directly, you know, go and learn from them, but latch on to just, them for dear life. Yeah. Latch on to <laughs> them for dear life because 
once yep. once you have that person and they're willing to teach you what they know listen my big mistake and i've said it a few times my big mistake my dad was an amazing woodworker he called himself a carpenter because he was a formally trained carpenter went to carpentry school did the apprentice thing he was an outstanding carpenter but he is what we would call today a woodworker and i think he could hang with some of the better people in our space like that's how good he was and i I think he knew he was really good at it. And I think he was always kind of sad that the job he had was more of a, like he did display carpentry. So he made a lot of the, he made the booths for trade shows. That's what he did for a living. He was a fine woodworker and excellent carpenter who was kind of confined to doing this very process oriented kind of sterile stuff. And he, you know, he was very good at that too. He was very good at everything he did which pisses me off because it's like, wow, I I can't, you know, in hindsight, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, my dad is kind of my dad, big deal. But now in hindsight, I'm like, damn, he was really good at that. Like I do some of the stuff he does, he did. And I'm like, I, he did it. He was great at this, but you know, he worked, he worked his butt off to be a really good, to be a really good woodworker. And I really screwed up by not learning from him. Like I really, I, to this day, I mean, I, it makes me sad to think that I had that level of skill living in the same house as me and I absorbed nothing. Okay. Wait, let me, let me correct myself. It's not that I absorbed nothing. (laughs) It's not that I absorbed nothing. It's that I didn't actively absorb anything. Like I absorbed a lot through osmosis and I find myself doing a lot just out of just not even thinking about it, habitually doing things that I saw my dad doing. And one day I was in the shop and I caught myself just kind of doing something. I don't remember what it was, but I remember thinking in my head as I was doing it, I had a flashback and watching my dad do it. And I was like, oh my God, like I, I just did what my dad always, I always watched my dad do. And I didn't think about it and it wasn't, it was, it was some way I clamped something or something. I just did it and it felt like the way my dad used to do it. And I got goosebumps all over the place when I did it. And I just smiled because it's like, God, dad, I really wish I'd learned from you. And I, I know I am not one of those guys like, oh, you know, my dad would have been so proud of me. I don't know if he would have been proud of me. I think he would have been annoyed that I was a decent woodworker now. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But it's just like, damn, all that skill was right in front of me and I didn't take advantage of it. And I, I've, since I've started, you know, making and being a woodworker and all the other stuff I do, I made a promise to myself that I was never going to let someone who was more skilled than me go without me trying to understand them, how they do and learn from them. Because if I had done that with my dad, I would have been a woodworker my whole life. God knows where I'd be right now. Right. You know, it's, it, it really, I hate to say it, you know, you try and not live your life with regrets and I've had a pretty decent life and I've had a pretty wild life in a lot of ways. And that's the one regret I have that I, my dad died in 2013 and I did not learn the incredible skill set that he had. I learned nothing of it from him. Now I learned some of it, but not from him. It was whatever I absorbed plus whatever I learned over the years of actually doing it. So I would just tell people that like, if you have someone like that in your life, just damn it, just learn from them. Don't, don't assume that you're always going to be able to, you know, oh no, he'll always be there. I can always ask, don't do that. If there's something that someone can do and they're really good at it, even if you're not interested in it, learn it, learn it. Cause you're going to regret it at some point. If you don't, you will. I, I never thought I would. I thought like, oh, who cares? I'm not, I'm a computer guy. I'm not going to work with wood. And and the more I work with wood, the more I'm like, damn it, he was really good at this. <laughs> why am I right. not? Yeah. Why am I not learn? Why did I not learn from him? So, yep. I mean, hell, yeah. he died when I was what? When I was thirty seven? Yeah, thirty seven. I was thirty seven years old. I was more than capable at that point of, you know, picking up some serious knowledge from my dad. Of course. And yeah. I picked up nothing, like an idiot. Don't yeah, be an well, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. We, yeah, we all have something that we can, you know, that kind of story or, you know, some kind of, you know, something that we wish we had done. You know, you never have sure. enough time for anything. But, uh, yeah. you know, and that's why it's important that, I mean, YouTube is like, hey, 
that's everybody's dad. You know, you get to, you can learn from anybody's <laughs> dad now. Um, <laughs> right. Um, I, had, I actually had a, the, um, I had a, when I had one of the first episodes of because we make the first within the first eight, I believe it was like the fifth or sixth episode. I'm pretty sure it was somewhere around there. I had Steve Ramsey on. Wow. And I had Steve Ramsey on. And one of the things I told him was, I said, I just want you to understand how important what you've taught me was. I said, and I think he made me say it in a video testimonial for the weekend woodworker course, which is probably still on his website somewhere. Sure. Um, Send him an invoice. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But he, um, I said to him, I said, you know, I said, my dad would have loved you the way you, the way you do woodwork is, you know, my dad would have really loved your videos. He would have loved the way you do things. I said, and it's weird because sometimes I feel like learning woodworking from you, which I did. I took his course. I said, sometimes I feel like learning woodworking from you is like learning from my dad because there's a lot of similarities in the way you guys work and the way you guys think and your approach to woodworking. And it's, it's just that warm, fuzzy feeling. You're right. YouTube is everyone's dad. You know, Steve Ramsey was essentially a surrogate for my father in teaching me how sure. to woodwork. You know, I didn't learn from I didn't learn from my dad, but I did learn from someone. I just know my dad would just be like every video, like, "Hey, Steve Ramsey, did you see Steve Ramsey's new video? <laughs> like, it's amazing. Did you see Steve Ramsey's new video? So, <laughs> you know, wow! Hey, he painted this purple. Like, what a jerk! <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> wait, that's one of your colors. <laughs> I know, I know. Of all the colors to match, see. By the way, see how much it's my color. The first color that came to mind is purple. Of course, so. yep. Um. Yeah. That's cool. I'm glad you uh, mentioned Steve Ramsey. I thought we'd uh, we might get there, you know, based on your history. I didn't want to go through the whole. Oh thing, yeah, like, no. You know, every other podcast. <laughs> yeah, no. Steve. Steve is. Um. I mean, you know, there's like a there's a group of people that I look at is like, why am I where I am today? You know, and Bob Claggett is the first, the primary, the my my maker life started because of Bob Claggett. And it's crazy. Every time I see him, I get emotional. Like I met him in person and it was one of the most emotional things I've ever felt because you don't get to meet your direct, immediate inspiration in anything very often. And I did. And it was like, wow, I get to shake your hand. I get to talk to you. And then the following year when I wasn't at Maker Faire, he even knew that I wasn't there. It's like, yeah, I remember. Like, yeah, how do you even know I exist? <laughs> yeah, so I think that's how I know you exist. Is a <laughs> it's <laughs> totally possible about you on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally possible. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, you know, I, there's him. You know, I always like David Pachudo, Steve Ramsey, Jimmy Duresta. You know, I'm I'm not yep. going to sit here and pretend I have the most crazy diverse. Like, wow, I never heard of that guy. I, mean, I don't go deep yeah. catalog, right? But you know. There's a reason those people are at the top of what we do. It's because yes. they're the good ones. They're the teachers. They're the established ones. Exactly. And, yeah. Definitely has to do with teaching, you know, and them actually, yeah. you know, being able to. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's the thing. They're, they're so good at sharing what they're doing and inspiring people. They're know, the village to, elders. To get out there and do it. They're yeah. the village elders, right? And all throughout history, in every civilization, there were village elders. They are the village elders of the maker community. Those are the people, and I know there are people that are, they're just not in my orbit. Those are the people in my orbit. Those are the people I consider my, like, yeah, if you want to make stuff, that's who you're going to follow. There are other yep. people in the, in the space that I know everyone loves that are not my people, and that's fine. Those are your people, but in sure. my village, this, these are my people. You know, when, when, when I go to, when I go to maker, when I go to maker camp and I get to get a big hug from Jimmy, it's yep. like. Oh my God, this is like, this is the most surreal moment ever. You know, I, I took a picture with him. Mark Adams took a picture of him and I at, at maker camp this weekend. And I sent it, I sent it to my wife, my ex-wife, sorry. And I don't want to, I don't want to ruin my dating life on the show. Um, I sent it to my ex-wife and I said, look what happened. She goes, that's beautiful. She goes, you absolutely need to put that in a frame. I was like, yeah, she goes, and listen, no buying a frame. You have to make the damn thing. I'm like, damn it. She goes, don't cheap out, make the yeah. frame. I was like, all right, <laughs> fine. I'll make a frame for it. But yeah, cause I mean, yeah. you can definitely make something that's, you know, that's not just a rectangle, right? It can, you know, you can put something into it. That's, you know, that I have I, the right I can- thing for that picture. I came up with a totally wacky idea for the frame. That's going to awesome. be, it's going to be more of it's going to be Jimmy inspired rather right. than me inspired. It's not going to be my style. It's going to be more Jimmy inspired, which 
I think is going to make me really, really happy to do. But yeah, for sure. That sounds great. But more importantly, the reason why I want to talk about Steve Ramsey is about myself. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, no, uh, it looks, and unless this is a fake account, the Steve Ramsey Instagram followed the podcast account uh, this weekend. Absolutely fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah, that's super cool. So hopefully, I don't know if he's going to actually listen to it or not, but if he does, uh, good thing. Well, we if he does, him, I so. hope he hears this episode because he's getting, yeah, sure. he's getting some serious love. Steve, Steve is great. I mean, again, the village elders, right? There's a reason, you know, I know people go like, oh, you're like Jimmy DeResta. Like, yeah, I do. You know why? Because Jimmy DeResta is a good guy. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. You know, <laughs> he's a good guy. All the people that I mentioned as my inspirations, I've had at least an opportunity to either talk to. Actually, I've had an opportunity to talk to them in long form on a podcast as a host. And yeah. every single one of them is amazing. Every single one of them is amazing. I am. It's an honor for me to talk to these people and you know to the people that say don't meet your heroes no meet your heroes as long as they're cool people right. if your hero is a jerk you need to just find some new heroes it's it's fine you could find new i heroes. think that's a good rule <laughs> yeah i mean you can you can be like i am uh you know i don't know what the word is that i guess for yeah because I mean, there's lots of famous people you're like you know i like this person's work you know yeah that's enough you don't have to they don't have to be you know 100%. But these people are actually can be your idols yeah a hundred percent i don't i never like to use the word heroes because i know like it's weird for a 46 year old man to have a hero and i don't have any real heroes but you know there are some you know if, if inspiration is like a tree then there's certain people that are the trunk of the tree and then there's certain sure. people that are just the branches right and the branches yeah. are important because the trunk doesn't survive without the branches but the trunk you know, the trunk of my making life is, you know, David Picciuto, Steve Ramsey, Bob Claggett, Jimmy DeResta. It's easy. The names come quickly. <laughs> sure. And that just depends on really like when you discovered it, right? Because if you discovered sure. during this certain between this year and this year, those are the people who, you know, were easy to discover. You know, it was just that they were discoverable, you know, and then now yeah. could be uh, could be different people. And uh, but, you know, we still support the. Uh, you know, who are the people what's, that really, you know, helped create our uh, making journey. What's amazing is when you discover someone and you find them inspirational, but you have no intention of doing what they do. The first Jimmy video I watched was when he did the Brock Lesnar sword. Right. And it's like, there is no reason in hell I should have cared about that video. But I was amazed. I was not only amazed by it, but I subscribed instantly. And I've been a fan ever since. You know, not because I want to make Brock Lesnar swords, not because I want to make the knives or the hatchets or the stuff that he's done. I mean, he does a lot of stuff where I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to watch him do it, though. Like, I, I yeah. want to watch him do it. I want to watch all these guys do things I don't want to do because they're good at it. And they, I learn something every single time. Exactly. If, yeah. yeah. Process things are important, man. You, you can apply processes to anything you do. So... Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the whole maker thing is taking all the crazy things that you've learned and then, you know, synthesizing them and turning it into your thing, you know, yeah. and solving the problems that you have. It's always about it's always about solving problems. It's always about solving problems, you know, filling gaps, solving problems, learning that one little tweak on a skill that you already know. That just puts you in a whole different place. I always use three. I always use Fusion 360 as an example because I was using it. I was trying to self-teach, and let me tell you something. If you're trying to self-teach Fusion 360, you're an idiot. It's not going to happen. You're not going to learn anything. Don't do it. Take some kind of class. And I took. I was learning it, but I was not making any progress. And I took um, Vlad Mariano's class on Skillshare. Um, it's called. I think it's called Fusion 360 for 3D printing. I think that's the name of the class. Okay. And from that point on, Fusion 360 was my one of my favorite things to use. Like I was so much more comfortable using it. I was familiar with it. I understood it better. And it wasn't because he was the greatest teacher in the world, although he's an excellent teacher. It was because he opened up dams that were in front of me so that I could learn the next step. Because I would always hit the same walls over and over again. He opened up those walls for me. And that's what I think a good teacher in our space does. They don't teach you the whole process. They teach you how to get unstuck from what your own processes are. 
Like, oh, right. this, you know, you make a cutting board and it's like, why the second the meat goes on it, does it turn hairy? Are you popping the grain <laughs> when you sand it? Oh, oh, but where, you know, do you pop the grain? You know, so I'm popping grain and then it's like, God, this just, this process takes forever because you got to keep waiting for the board to dry. Well, then you find out you only have to pop the board, pop the grain really one time. You really only need to do it once. You need to do it the first before the first sanding, you can pop the grain and you will not have to do it again. It's like, oh, okay, but you still have to wait for the board to dry. Then you go to AJ from Crafted in NJ who goes, take your water, mix it 50% with isopropyl alcohol and spray it on. It'll dry in like 25 to 30 seconds. And it's like, oh, so now go. this process that used to take all day just to wet the grain, now it's a, now it's a 20 minute process. And it's like, oh, this is what this is how you get unstuck. You're still popping the grain. You're still getting the same desired effect. But now you've taken a process that was so long and drawn out and ineffective, and you've turned it into something you can do in a few minutes. Yeah, that's why we have this community. That's what this community is sure. good at. Oh, now I need to make a cutting board. I just learned a bunch of cool tips. Uh, oh, dude, I got a bunch of them. I, somebody actually told me. It's really funny because somebody said, you know, you've been making cutting boards long enough. You should make a YouTube video on how to make a cutting board. I'm like, do you really think there's space on YouTube for me telling people how to make a cutting board? And then I thought about it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I probably will make that video. Because I like, you know, I have learned some things that I've seen people do that I know they just do wrong from experience. Right. I just know they're doing wrong and not wrong, but... You know, remember, I'm making them for other people. So my processes have to be cutthroat efficient and fast. I can't, yeah. I don't have leisure time to make a cutting board. If I'm making one, I'm in my shop three days a week. I have to start on Friday and have it ready to ship on Sunday. I've gotten to the point now, I could start on Friday and have it ready to ship Friday night. Wow. That's, That's how, really if I'm, I've done it in a real bind, in a real bind, I have actually gotten a cutting board made and shipped on the same day and i just trusted that the glue would cure enough during shipping because it was going across the country <laughs> and you know what that board is still in use so i think i did it okay <laughs> yeah you probably have to do it in the summer though it's winter probably 100 percent. don't do, do that in the winter that's a <laughs> that's stupid don't do that in the winter. good good see dave you you should make cutting board <laughs> yeah this is basically you know when you like learn about glue in the winter and your shop is unheated so yeah. you know what else you learn real quick about an unheated shop paint I had no idea how important warm temperatures were for paint drying. Yeah, they should put that on the can, like what temperature you're supposed to use. Well, they do, but it's written in a font. Dude, okay, look. Nobody can read that font. (laughs) Yeah, no one can read it. I'm 46 years old. I wear progressive lenses, okay? I have to take out the magnifier on my phone. I feel like a senior citizen now. And I still, with the magnifier on my phone, I'm like, who's expected to read this? Because even with the magnifier on my phone, my phone is like, I can't see that either. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, so. Well, the problem is that's the thing. The the print on the can isn't mm-hmm. for you. It's no, for lawyers. It's, it's for lawyers. Right? So, <laughs> exactly. so if someone exactly. says, you didn't tell me. Nope. Your lawyer is going to read this can. Nope. Sorry. It's on there. <laughs> it's it's paragraph 37 on on column 18. Wait, there's 18 columns here? It looked like one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, but this is interesting. Well, so we did have one topic we definitely wanted to talk about at the beginning of the show. So let's, uh, it's about an hour in. So let's, uh, let's yeah. talk about it. So uh, everybody knows about, um, uh, because we make uh, one of the, you know, definitely um, just important podcast in the maker community. You know, you were able to, you know, introduced so many uh cool and interesting people that people hadn't heard of to, yeah it, you know, it was wild to all of us uh but uh you know i know you um that ended a little while ago but uh you got something new going on uh you want to tell us about that yeah yeah so i i had to make a decision i had to make a decision at one point and it was like do you want to reboot because we make with another another new co-host or do you want to just let it go like it's in a good place everyone loves it you know, it's kind of like the established grandfather of maker podcasts in a lot of ways, like 161 episodes of a podcast in our space is an eternity. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of podcasts that had that level of longevity, but I had to go, this is a good spot to just say, it's time to put it to bed, let it end. And if there's going to be another one, let there be another one. 
And I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought I was okay with letting it go. And then I got the bug again. And what's funny is I got the bug again right around the time where my job was starting to get tenuous. And as of today, it's still pretty tenuous, but it's a little more stable. Maybe I might be okay. I don't know. This is the part that's scary. I don't know what's going on with the day job. So I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, how can I bring in more money? Like I can, I can take more orders. I can do more. And obviously if I lose my job, I can take a lot of orders. Like, right. <laughs> you get free time. I have lots of time. I have enough savings where I can probably go a couple of months without a job and just take a run at it. And if I don't just find something, get, get working, pay your rent and pay your expenses. Like, you know what? I could do that, but let's, let's do this while I still can. Let's bring back a podcast. And I saw, I sat there and I thought about it. I was like, okay, do you want to bring back Because We Make? And I'm like, no, I ended Because We Make. And I was really, in my mind, I was really firm that I was not going to bring back Because We Make. One way or the other, is was going to be a new podcast. So I thought about it. I was like, but I like the format. People like the show. But maybe I just need to focus on the things that I'm more passionate about, the things I enjoy more. So what I came up with was the idea of digitally creative. And digitally creative is going to be focused on the convergence of technology and making. Now, I don't want it to be, I don't want to create the impression that I'm only going to talk about like desktop and digital fabrication. And I'm talking everything. I'm talking digital creativity in all its forms. I'm talking, you know, digital artists. I'm talking, you know, effects artists. I'm talking people who make TV shows, videographers, photographers, people who run CNCs, people who do machining everything one into the other it's going to be just as broad but yet still focused on the convergence of technology and making that's kind of where i want to be technology making and creativity those three principles are going to apply in some form in every episode and i am really really excited about getting the show started um i i was i've been debating if i was going to mention who the first guest is um and i don't know that I want to say who it's going to be, but I think if I've told a few people and they're like, sure. wow, your first guest. Like, yeah, my first guest. So, you know, what we'll do Dave, you know, what we'll do. I think, I think just to get people to support your Patreon, I think we'll talk about <laughs> it in the after show. I'll mention who the first guest is for your patrons, but they have to keep it quiet. It's secret stuff. It's secret stuff. Right. I don't want it to get out before the first episode. I want it to be a big pop. Um, but yeah, it's, right. It's it's great. I am really excited about bringing it back. I'm I already have the first guest booked. I have a couple of guests coming. I booked a guest while I was at Maker Camp that That's cool. Oh, oh my god, I can't even believe I got this guy to be on my podcast. I'm still I mean, obviously I've had some names and some some big time people on my shows over the years, but this is one where it's like, "Wait, you got who?" I actually sent Again, I, I, I'm really good friends with my ex-wife in case you haven't figured it out. I sent her a picture. <laughs> I sent her a picture of me talking to this person and she goes, holy crap, how the F did you get to talk to him? She yeah. forgot it was Maker Camp. I was like, it's Maker Camp. She goes, wow. Right. Anybody awesome. can talk. Yeah. That's an important <laughs> thing to remember. People are always like, uh, you know, like if you go to certain conventions, it's, you know, it's hard to meet you know some of the you know big makers but if they show up at maker camp uh they're just wandering around yeah <laughs> and uh, you know you, you they, and they're there to meet people and to be part of the community so it's, i uh, saw so i was online cool. I, I was online. i'm i'm, I'm going to drop some names here you know Go hopefully, for it. hopefully someone comes around to pick them up but <laughs> i was standing in line to get my picture taken by mark and cuz i that was on my bucket list i had two bucket list things to do at maker camp get scanned by dave and get photographed by mark both of those things happen i'm very happy right now um, but I was standing in line to get photographed by Mark and I was talking to Johnny Lambert and his guys and we were just having a, we were having a great conversation. We were talking about, you know, growth and whatever. And I had just hit 400 subscribers on YouTube. Woohoo. Nice. And yeah, I hit it while we were there. I couldn't believe cool. it. And I know I felt stupid. I felt stupid standing next to him. Who's at like a couple of hundred thousand or whatever he's at. And I'm <laughs> at like 400, but I'm at 400. I post one video every few months, if that. So and I'm standing there on the line and I see Bobby Duke is just standing there getting a drink of water. And I just, I walked over and I put my hands up. I said, 
if you're just decompressing, I will not bother you. I promise. He goes, no, no, no. Come on over. Let's, let's chat for a minute. Let's chat for a minute. I actually ended up talking to him for 20 minutes. And wow, that's it, cool. was, it was wild to, to talk to someone whose work is just like blown my mind for years. So of course. And uh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, I saw Bobby Duke also. Um, he was in quite a crowd, though. So I just was able to go up to yeah. him and, you know, say hi. And I just let him uh, let him be. He, but, was, you know. he was so on like in like normal clothes, like being a normal dude. And he was off to the side where nobody was. And I, I, I know how he is with, you know, people and in crowds and stuff. So I didn't I made sure I put my hands up and just like, hey, I'm not going to buy if you're just decompressing, you could tell me to F off and I will. And he was very gracious. And he like I said, he talked to me for 20 freaking minutes. So, yeah, that's the guest I booked it. I'll, let's, I'll just put that out there. That's the guest I booked for the podcast. So yeah. Bobby Duke is going to be on Digitally Creative um, early November. Early yeah, November. He's not cool. my first guest, but he's going to yeah. be on. And I he guess was just, that's who you booked at Maker Camp because uh. that that is who I booked at Maker Camp. Yeah, it was that was what the conversation was, and he was just the, he's the nicest guy. And you know, again, don't meet your heroes. No, if Bobby Duke is one of your heroes, and you have an opportunity to meet Bobby Duke, meet Bobby Duke. He is awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. He's as awesome as you would imagine him being. So, yeah, he's that's definitely one of the most creative minds out there. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think he epitomizes what I'm trying to do with the new show really well. Like he, he is really good at merging technology and making and creativity and doing it in interesting ways. And I'm very excited to chat with him. So that's what you have to look forward to on the new podcast, which I hope, I hope people enjoy as much as because we make, because one of the things is I mentioned in episode zero that it has to make money, right? It does. It has to be a commercially successful enterprise. It can't be, because we make was good because it didn't cost me anything. Right? right. But this can't just not cost me anything. It has to make money or otherwise I'm just going to have to, I'll have to kill it and just move on because if it's not making me money, it's distracting me from making me money. And I hate to sure. be that way, but you know, I figure if I say it up front and level with people, then they'll be okay with it. So yeah, I already got some subscribers, so I guess I did awesome. something right. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, get a chance to check that out so i'll have to get over that yeah. that was right before I, maker camp so <laughs> one of the things i did one of the things i did differently with with this show versus because we make is this is all hosted on my own website i didn't open up a second website there's not going to be a second instagram there's not going to be a second youtube it's all going to be my instagram account has about three thousand people following it there's no reason to split that brand off and have it go somewhere else i have three thousand eyeballs watching my stuff let's get it there right? Let's get right. it all in one place where everyone already is. So my website is handling the donations, um, the subscriptions, I'm calling them. There's three different plans for that. They're all monthly. You can cancel them, change them, whatever. You join the site, you pay the subscription. I'm not doing it through a third party anymore. I'm doing it through me. So I'm not going to say 100%, but I think it's like 97% or 96.8% is what I get after credit card fees. So there you go. Oh, not bad. <laughs> That's the plug a, is in. We got it, Dave. We got it. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'm definitely glad we got to talk about that because I'm super excited to uh, see where it goes. I'm very excited to be back behind the microphone again. Um, yeah. This was the warm up because I'm going to record with guest number one next week. So awesome. Yeah, there we go. Hope, uh, hope we don't have to wait too long to hear that. You will not. It will be if I record when I think I'm going to record at most, it'll be somewhere in the last week. The second to last week of October will be the first episode. So. All right, we'll definitely uh, let people know when that uh, comes out, uh, when you announce it. So Thank you, thank you. All right, uh, I think that, um, you know, it's been going just, you know, uh, probably a little bit over an hour, so uh, it's probably yep. enough for everybody for now. Uh, we'll definitely have to talk again, because this is basically my excuse to get to talk to people. Um, you know, so many people who I wanted to talk to, you know, I saw everybody at Maker Camp, but I didn't get to have too many you know, like uh, deep uh, conversations. And when mm -hmm. it was smaller, that was a lot easier. But this year, it's just, I just, you know, I met so many cool people that it's hard to. There were people, I'm not even joking. There was, there was, a, there were a couple of people. There were a couple of people who I was actually on my way to talk to. And I got sidetracked by another person who bumped into me. And it's like, yep. you know, you're just tripping over people, you know, the whole time you're there. And it's wild. And I, I, I can't wait for next year. Keith will not have to peer pressure me into going next year. So I'm just going to put that out there. Keith Drennan does That's not awesome. have to 
peer pressure me. As soon as tickets go on sale, I'm getting tickets for next year and I'm going to be there all three days next year. I had the best time ever. I've never felt more part of something as I did this weekend. And I would highly recommend if you've never gone, just don't even think about it. Go. If you need right. a place to stay, splurge on the big ticket and stay at the resort. Just just do it. Don't even think about it. Just do it. Um, yeah, exactly what you said. Uh, you feel part of something. And that's yep. um, that's definitely what it is. Uh, Paul Mayette just posted uh, his, you know, his take on that on Instagram. I'll mm-hmm. throw a link up there to that post because what he said is just uh, you know, it's beyond compare. Um, it just shows like how this community has been built and, you know, how welcoming it is to, you know, new people. Yep. A hundred percent. It's a, it's an amazing community. And the more you interact in meat space with the actual people of it, the more you realize just how amazing it is. Do it. Yeah, for sure. And I'm pretty sure you can book now for next year. If you don't already have a ticket, um, usually they go on sale right away. Um, but I haven't heard any announcements, but that seemed to be the word at Maker Camp. Oh boy. Oh boy. (laughs) It wouldn't hurt to call the Blackthorn Resort and ask. I'm going gold next year, baby. I'm going to be there. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, and again, I'd like to thank all the patrons, especially Matthew from Artigiano Serio and Ed Johns. If you'd like to be a patron, you can check out uh, the show at patreon.com slash making problems to solve. And you will get access to the after show where we're going to reveal uh, the top secret uh, first guest for Digitally Creative. <laughs> uh, you can also... Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, or there's probably someplace else, uh, but I don't know about it. And <laughs> or just share the show with a friend. Uh, it all helps. Uh, Vincent, it's really fun uh, talking to you. It's great seeing you at Maker Camp, and we'll definitely have to chat again soon. One hundred percent. It was really great to. It's always great to see you in person. It's kind of. It's funny. You and I, like, it's New York. It's like, oh, if it's New York, you're going to see the two of us in there somewhere. So it's it's kind of cool that I get to see you. It sucks that we have to wait to make our events, but it's kind of cool that we got to chat here. So thank you so much for having me on and letting me um, spill my brains out for a little while and also to self-promote, which is always fun. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you.